Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Javante Williams or Travis Etienne, which teams can turn things around in 2021 and players to target? We're talking all that and more on Roto Viz Radio. Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz, but more importantly, we are joined for this episode by Danny Kelly of The Ringer, where he's a staff writer covering the NFL, the NFL draft, fantasy football, and he co-hosts The Ringer Fantasy Football Show, which you should go check out. We are really pumped to have him on. We're going to get back into discussing some rookies on the show, teams that can turn things around this year, and more. But Danny, thanks for coming on the show. It's really awesome to have you here, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. Let's get into it. Uh, just one quick note before we do. Last week, I want to say that uh, I think it was last week, we switched platforms um, where we're uploading things on the back end. So the schedule was a little off last week, uh, but... Going forward, after this week, we'll be back to normal things. We're only going to have one show coming out this week. Uh, but like I said, things will be back to normal next week. All right, let's talk some rookies. So, Danny, Curtis, and I, we both liked Najee Harris as the top back in the class heading into the season after the draft. There was a couple-day stretch where I thought about maybe moving up Travis Etienne. <laughs> I quickly realized... That was probably a bad idea. It came back to Harris. So out mm -hmm. of ETN and Javante Williams, which is the rookie back that fantasy gamers should be drafting in 2021? Now, are you talking about just for 2021 or generally speaking for like overall, you know, dynasty ranks, all, all that stuff? Yeah, let's, let's take that long whole career view and, and cut at this from a dynasty lens. Okay, so... I think that it's I think it's ETN and for a number of reasons I think number one um, I've been trying to like you know talk myself into this and like live live my life like I actually believe this but like don't fade people don't play don't fade players because of landing spot too much like Rashad Bateman's a perfect example right um, you know it it really hurt <laughs> kind of to see him land in Baltimore um, but at the end of the day I think he's going to be I still think he's going to be really good in the NFL I think he's going to elevate that passing game I think the same could be said about Travis Etienne right now I think people are freaking out a little bit about 
uh, the Urban Meyer factor, how much he's going to screw this thing up. Um, you know, the whole uh, slash player thing where we don't know exactly what his role is going to be. I think all that is like, you know, that's legitimate stuff to be concerned about. But at the end of the day, I don't know if it necessarily makes you drop him down significantly. I think he's still a really good prospect, um, former big prospect. He's got the elite speed. He's got the pass catching ability. Um, and I think at the end of the day, like he's a first round pick and they're going to play him a lot and they're going to give him a lot of touches. So, uh, I, I would say I lean ETN. I do like Javante Williams a lot. Um, and I think he'll be good, but I think early in the season, he might not have like, and he might not be the starter, first of all, to start out the year. And then, um, just overall, I'm not sure he'll be as involved in the passing game as ETN is likely going to be i think you know they're already seeing him play receiver in training camp and things like that they're clearly going to want him to be catching passes so um especially in pbr leagues that's just so important so i don't know javante williams javante williams you know he's probably a better runner honestly like more elusive better tackle breaker things like that i, I think etn is more of a slasher you know hit hit the gas and like run through arm tackles and go around a guy um but yeah i think i i would certainly take etn in rookie drafts over Javante Williams, but just barely. Like they're more or less in the same tier for me. Well, I'm taking notes there, Danny, because we still have our Black Crown Dynasty uh, League draft <laughs> know, coming right? up. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to, um, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to try to see if I can um, take take your takes there and, and apply them in our our draft head to head. You know, one question I have, maybe more for the 2021 redraft folks on this topic before we move um, to the next question is, you know, do you think at any point in this season that Javante Williams could actually usurp uh, Melvin Gordon really like in a three-down role? Like, I mean, Melvin's just really been so reliable as a pass catcher, you know, kind of in the... I mean, it's not like he's been playing for 10 years, but the back half of his six-year career, um, he's really turned into a dependable option. So, <laughs> and, and I think that's really what we would need out of Javante Williams to, to battle ETN for supremacy and dynasty or really in 2021, right? So... Um, right. did, I don't know right. how much like college scouting you did on, on Williams, but do you see anything transferable there uh, to where we should be viewing him, you know, as a potential like top eight back someday? I mean, I don't know if he necessarily showed, you know, super scintillating traits as a pass catcher. He wasn't really asked to do a whole lot of that. You know, he played in a, a rotation, obviously, with Michael Carter. Um I know he had some drops. It's not like he, I, I don't think he's a bad pass catcher, but I just don't know if he's really proven it yet. You know what I mean? He has to go out there and show that he can be a um, impact player in that area and like run routes and get open and things like that. I think he still certainly could come in early on and, and be utilized in that role. Um, you know, but not necessarily like, I don't know if I, I necessarily see him immediately as a three down back. So I guess that's the worry. Um, and he never really had like, a heavy workload in college either. I think he had like only two or three games over 20 carries. So, you know, it's, it's, a, there's a lot of projection here and, um, you know, you could say the exact same thing about ETN. I think he only had a handful of games where he had over 20 carries, but they also were like winning like 70 to 14 at halftime in so many games. It's like, they didn't really need him to play in the second half a lot. So, um, I don't know. With both of these guys, there's some projection. I don't think ETN is on the same level of, you know, pass catching as like an Alvin Kamara or whoever. Um, he's just not that guy. But I think he has, uh, you know, he has the ability to turn into that guy. I think same same deal with Javante Williams. I think he has the talent. He's certainly got the tackle breaking ability to be a big factor after the catch. And so I think he could develop into that. But right now I, I'm more confident 
that ETN will be a big pass catcher right now. And then, then Javante Williams immediately. Okay. So just wrapping this one up, cause <clears throat> we didn't actually confirm like is Najee, uh, is he your, is he your RB one? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Pretty clear. All right. To me. That, that's, that's what Dave and I were waiting for. <laughs> uh, that <laughs> there's a punchline. Did we yeah. just lose Dave? I think we actually just lost Dave. Um, we're going to keep rolling. <laughs> we're going to keep rolling. Um, so, okay. So listeners, aren't you the one with the bad internet? I thought you were out in the middle. I of the am woods. in the middle of the woods, but Dave just moved. So he literally has only been sleeping in his new place, ah. um, for the last two or three nights. And he was sitting like on a cardboard <laughs> box or a laundry basket or something, uh, as he was setting up the show. He's got the passion. That's how you know he's got the passion for this. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, um, um, so let's transition over to new England, Danny. Um, I honestly do not know what to make of the Patriots this year. There's like a lot of, a lot of kind <laughs> yeah. of like back end of redraft roster, like curiosity, uh, that I have, um, in terms of some players that have upside if they, if they win the rolls outright, but there's, there's so much upheaval in the wide receiver room and the tight end position with all of the free agents that were brought in. There's actually a sneaky back. Um, and when you think about the relative weakness of the running back, uh, position there, you know, could Ramondre Stevenson actually, you know, turn into something? Uh, I'm starting to warm up to him a lot. Uh, but Dave wants us to talk <laughs> about Mac Jones, man. So do you think Mac can actually mm. unseat Cam Newton? And if he does, like, what is the actual upside of those wide receivers and tight ends versus, you know, with Cam under center? Yeah. So I, I was talking to Doug Kite of Nesson today, actually, on the Ringer NFL show, which is we, we taped it early, I believe. So it's going to come out in a few days, maybe next week. I can't remember exactly. So this is just a little preview for people who are going to listen to that, too. But um, he he basically was saying he's a and he's a beat reporter for the Patriots. So he was saying um, none of really Newton or Mac Jones or, or Hoyer or Stidham has really separated themselves in, you know, OTAs and stuff thus far. Obviously Cam's, I think, uh, going through a hand issue right now or something that's kept him out. So he's maybe not even getting as many snaps as the other guys. But um, he basically said, and I think this this tracks, is, is Mac Jones would have to play really, really well and or Cam Newton would have to play really, really poorly for him to get for so Newton would have to play really really poorly to get benched um because I think you know Belichick's sort of old school he doesn't love relying on rookies I think they brought Cam back for a reason um I think they have an offense that can work with Cam under center basically like a run heavy thing where they're doing a lot of zone read stuff I think that's Cam's forte um but at the end of the day I do think Mac Jones could beat him out I do think that Newton um you know could struggle enough to the point where they do decide to go out and make the change. Um, you know, there's, there's this like prevailing thought. And I think it's true. Like most teams are going to play first round quarterbacks at some point in their first season. Um, but Belichick's not most coaches. So I really don't know where, what to read of that, to be honest. And so, uh, it, may, it might come down to just an injury and then Mac Jones gets in. So that's a long way of saying, I don't know, but I, I think Mac Jones certainly could beat out Newton and I think it would change their offense. Uh, quite a bit. I think, you know, I was looking at Newton's numbers last year. He threw eight touchdowns and 15 starts. So you tell me, like, that's got to be, like, Mac Jones has got to be, like, way better for the, for the receivers and tight ends, certainly from the uh, fantasy point of view. Um, he was averaging, Newton was averaging 177 passing yards a game. He took 31 sacks. He rushed it nine times a game. So he's he's basically, like, worst-case scenario for fantasy 
in that offense, I would say. Um, and then obviously Mac Jones, I think everything you get out of him would be a bonus because he's certainly going to distribute the ball a lot more. I think he's going to check it down a lot more. That's like his M.O. at Alabama was just get the ball into the hands of his playmakers and let them do the work. You know what I mean? And that was, I think, the reason they liked him so much. So I think from a fantasy point of view, we're rooting probably, I would say, for Mac Jones for his surrounding supporting cast. Obviously, if you have Cam Newton, you're hoping for him to come in and be like a sneaky like low-end QB1 because of his rushing upside and all that and stay healthy. But um, if we're rooting for the other guys, you know, the Nelson Aguilar's of the world, I have Nelson Aguilar in the Black Crown League. And frankly, my receiver group is pretty terrible, so I'm hoping for some <laughs> some good numbers from him this year. Uh, so, you know, that would be probably a lot of people's uh, – I think that's where you want to lean. If you want Jonu and Hunter Henry to have, like, bigger years, I think you probably want that. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, in redraft, <clears throat> in redraft or best ball – like the idea of naked cam, you know, can work, especially in best balls, like a QB three, if you wait at the position or something. Um, and mm-hmm. I think you can even talk yourselves into yourself into one of the two tight ends being pretty relevant. You know, if he does pick a favorite, yeah. um, you know, th- that would be the big uh, boost the team's looking for in terms of, you know, having an actual, you know, red zone re- receiving threat. If Mac were to win the job, you actually have a favorite receiver, in terms of fit with him, you know, they got Nelson Aguilar that they brought over. Kendrick Bourne uh, looks like he actually has the inside track uh, for the slot role. Jacoby Myers popped a little bit last year. And then Nikhil Harry still hanging out there, former first round pick uh, in year three. Uh, all of all of us dynasty uh, diehards are, you know, hoping to see a pulse from him. So which of those four receivers would you like if, if Mac won the job? I think... I think I would probably lean Nelson Aguilar. I, I think he gets a bad rap, obviously, for how he started his career, and there's a good reason for that. But um, he was legitimately pretty good last year, I think, and he showed his abil- the ability to get deep, create, um, you know, stretch the defense that way. I think he would be the de facto number one in that offense, and I think he, you know, from a, you know, ability to separate, ability to get deep point of view, um, I could see him developing a rapport with Mac Jones. I think Jacoby Myers is pretty underrated. I'm not really high on Nikhil Harry to be honest um it feels almost like right now he's on the ins- he's on the outside looking in um you know based on kind of what we heard out of, out of training camp so far I think he's had like maybe like a couple plays here and there but for the most part um people are thinking it's going to be Aguilar and Myers in two receiver sets they're going to probably run 12 personnel half the time um and then Bourne will probably get in you know when he's playing the slot and all that um, sounds like Marvin Hall's actually having a good camp too. So he's wow. maybe another guy to just keep an eye on. That's a um, name. Isaiah Zuber, who I don't really know anything about. Um, but he was a guy who's kind of on my radar last year, actually talking to Doug Hyde about it. He was like, this guy's actually pretty good. Um, keep an eye on him. And then I've heard, you know, some, some buzz about him already this year. So he could be kind of the fourth or fifth guy there. And I don't know, man, I just kind of think Harry's on the way out. It doesn't feel like he's really catching on. We'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, I think with a quarterback like Mac Jones, that could be good for for Harry, just because he's not going to separate. And Mac Jones is very accurate and willing to kind of just give it up to his to his playmaker. So we'll see how that goes. But I don't, I'm not I'm not real. I don't have high hopes there. All right, I'm going to double segue this here because um, in my bourbon lemonade that I've got for the show tonight, I I, <laughs> I thought this might happen with us inviting a guest because Dave and I don't invite guests. I mean, this is this is a rarity for us. So I poured some rabbit hole bourbon. We're about ready to go down an Isaiah Zuber rabbit hole here um, because I oh, just no. put, yes. yeah, I've got a quick stat on him. Then we'll keep moving. Dave's back. He's like mortified. I'm so far off the All show right. sheet right now. Uh, but Isaiah Zuber, <laughs> uh, Isaiah Zuber 
per the Rotoviz Prospect Box Score Scout, one of the best dynasty scouting mm. tools in the business. Uh, I've got everything right here. And in 2018, Danny, it might surprise you to know, when he was at Kansas State, he threw up a uh, a 40% dominator rating uh, at Kansas State as a junior. Um, so, you know, really? hey, I mean, maybe, yeah. And then he transferred to Mississippi State uh, for his final season mm. and didn't really carve out much of a role. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's shown, and, and actually he had a 23%, 24% as a freshman and sophomore at Kansas State. So he's shown that, you know, he can, you know, rise to the, the top of a receiving room at some point. And uh, the Patriots might have the weakest wide receiver room in the entire NFL. So, uh, man, that's a deep name. For those of you in those dynasty leagues with rosters of 30 plus deep, um, maybe Isaiah Zuber is worth uh, adding uh, throughout the summer here. So, um, Dave, are you with us, buddy? Did you fall off your laundry basket? <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I'm back. You know, this is what happens. Uh, you know, I moved uh, over the weekend. As you can see, there's the packages behind me. The Internet's still not that stable of a connection. But you know what? We're going to press on now that you've derailed <laughs> us to some names that I was not expecting. It's time to see if we need to panic. All right, Danny. Every year, there are a couple of players that develop a stigma Many drafters want nothing to do with them. Uh, for example, I know a lot of people are worried about Ezekiel Elliott and his best days being behind him. Are there any players that you think it's time to panic about? We should want nothing to do with them. Unless, of course, their ADP completely plummets. Also, feel free to share some thoughts on Zeke if you have you know, any compelling <laughs> thoughts there as well. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to Zeke, I'm actually... I don't know what the consensus is, but I'm actually pretty excited about what he's going to do this year. I think he's um, word out of camp, at least so far, that he looks really good. Best shape of his life guy, which, you know, you never know when to buy that crap. But, like, I think it does matter with Zeke, who's come into camp a little bit heavy before. So best best shape of your life guy, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, is a good thing. I think in this offense, it's obviously, um, you know, they're going to score a lot of points. They're going to run a lot of plays. Their defense isn't good again. I think he's going to be involved in the passing game. I think he's still... You know, Curtis, you're you're a big Pollard guy, right? Yeah, I was a Pollard. I still am a Pollard guy. Um, although the the discount, like if we're actually talking fantasy and not just uh, NFL here, um, the ADP isn't where you'd want to see it. Like everyone's chasing that upside that we've been you know touting for the last couple of years. So ninth round Tony Pollard this year, like I'm not super pumped about, even though I love the player. Yeah, yeah. And that that kind of is a good segue for what I was going to say is basically I think they're going to ride Zeke. I don't think Pollard is going to get a ton of play. Um, they're already talking about using him in, like as a slot receiver and things like that in training camp. Like that doesn't sound to me like someone who's going to get a big workload in the in the ground game. I think Zeke is going to be the guy as long as he's healthy. Um, so that's how I feel about Zeke. I think Zeke's going to bounce back big time. I do feel like it. It is the point of it where if he has a couple of big games this year and you're not going for a championship that is the absolute time to you know try and sell him or whatever if you're in your dynasty league um but i also think he's the type of guy like if you're a competing team he could he could be um you know a real a real big asset for you at like downstretch because i just think you know they're gonna run a ton of plays score a lot of points and, and he's gonna be a big part of that the person i the first person i thought of when i saw this question was josh jacobs I'm not quite panicking on him at this point. I think he's more of just like hold and wait and see what happens. But like his his value over the last, I don't know, three months, two months, it seems to have taken like a nosedive. And 
Um, people have all but basically given up on him at this point. It feels like I don't think you could sell him for anything in, in, in Dynasty anymore, anything valuable. Um, you know, he's going to be splitting uh, reps with, with Kenyon Drake, who they gave a lot of money to. He's not going to be involved in the passing game again. Um, and I don't know. To me, it's like a weird thing because you just can't trust the Raiders to do anything right. But I actually think he's like a really talented, really elusive, really good pass catching back. So it's one of those things where I'm like, I just kind of want to hold. I'm in hold mode with Jacobs rather than panic mode because um, I am hoping at some point the talent kind of will show through and, and Gruden will figure it out. But I don't know. Maybe maybe that means with the next team or something like that because you know it's just not looking good right now. Three years and this is his third year, right? Yeah, I think it yeah. is. Yeah, so, and he, unfortunately, um, he hasn't really gotten the workload that everyone envisioned. I mean, he he was one of the players. It was a weak kind of a weak running back class, and he was the one that everyone thought, hey, maybe bell cow here. Um, and it just you know, it just hasn't turned out that way. I want to pick your brain on two um, traditionally alpha wide receivers that are kind of tricky this year. They've slid into the second round, which is not what we're used to with these guys, but there's some upheaval in the quarterback rooms. And these are players that I'm still kind of figuring out. So I'm going to get, go outside the Rotoviz hive mind here and get Danny Kelly's take on Devonte Adams and <laughs> Michael Thomas. Um, what, what are you doing with those, those quarterback uh, changes there? Are you confidently selecting them like in your top 18 uh, or are you passing for other players in that range? That so I'm not too worried yet about the Devonte Adams situation. Um, I did my preliminary rankings for like half PPR this year, and I have Devonte Adams tenth. So I'm not, I'm I'm still like, you know, really bullish on him. I kind of think that Aaron Rodgers is going to return at some point to Green Bay. Maybe not the first couple of games, so that kind of throws things off. But like, um, even when Aaron Rodgers hasn't been in there in the past, like he's still getting peppered with targets. Whoever's at quarterback, so. I think you can at least bank on a really high target rate. It's, it's kind of the same deal with Michael Thomas, too. Like, even when um, Taysom Hill was playing quarterback, you know, not as good, not as well as Drew Brees, obviously, he was still targeting Michael Thomas quite a bit when he was healthy. So um, I think Michael Thomas is a, is a pretty good value right now, um, especially for like teams that are going for it this year, because he's, I still think he's going to get a ton of targets. He's going to be the clear cut number one in that offense. They, don't even have a clear-cut number two, really, unless you count Alvin Kamara. Um, and so I would say, let's see, what do I have? I've got Mike Thomas quite a bit lower. I've got him in the 20s. So I clearly am not quite as high on him as I am on Devontae Adams, but um, I still think he's a good value right now. Okay, yeah, that's, that's good. I'm glad to hear uh, the vote of confidence uh, for both of those guys. I mean, I think in terms of redraft, they're probably both going to be uh, yeah. bargains. I mean, I, re- I I just don't, to your point, from like an opportunity share, e- even if the quality of the targets coming their way changes, like the discounts there, like we're not drafting them, at, either one of them at, at ceiling for sure. Um, and, you know, on the, and I like Taysom Hill. I actually think it'd be really fun to see that offense go a totally different direction. Um, but if Jameis wins the job, and gets a chance at that. I mean, hey, he's he's propped up some pretty impressive fantasy uh, performances for other receivers in his career. And I mean, Michael Thomas could even have like, right. I don't know, maybe the best season of his career with a, a guy like Jameis just throwing him <laughs> yellow balls all the time. So, um, uh, Dave, um, Dave, any takes on those two uh, before we hit uh, the lightning round here? Yeah, well, I was just going to say that um, 
I actually recently just finished my New Orleans projection, and I don't remember off my head the exact total, but just suffice it to say Michael Thomas loaded, absolutely loaded with targets. Because like you said, there's just not a lot of other wide receivers that you're going to expect to get them. Also at the tight end position, you lose Jared Cook. You you know essentially have a sophomore tight end coming in, so you can't expect a lot for, for him. So outside of Kamara, there's just not a lot of guys vying um, for the targets there. So I think I'm on board uh, with all of that. But Curtis, how dare you <laughs> let the listeners know what segment is coming up next? Because I just wanted to hit them with the... <laughs> That lightning sound sorry, effect. Man. I sorry. want at least I want at least right. one messed up sound drop in this podcast. You kept playing the crickets last week, man. Yeah, that was that was classic. That those will be on the twenty twenty one outtakes for sure. Well, oh my gosh. Well, I'm glad to see that you've started li- you, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, you yeah. got in to listen to all of my uh, mistakes. So you're you're acutely aware of how it's going now. All right. This is going to be just a fun segment here. I am, am going to say a player's name or maybe even just a random word. No oh boy. We're going to do some word association here, Danny. I just want you to tell me the first thing that comes to mind when I say the player's name. This is insanely name. stressful. But uh, yes, let's, let's do it. Let's start off. Yep. And, and I won't limit <laughs> right, you to just one right. word. You can give me a sentence if you need. All right. Ooh. Sam Darnold. Hopeful. Hopeful, hopeful, but Ooh. guarding myself because I know that it's unlikely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> to Tua or to a tongue of Iloa. You were so close. Dave. Oh, oh, man. Curtis, you Try taught again. me it a couple of weeks. <laughs> Is it tongue of Iloa? Tua tongue of Iloa. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Danny. So with Tua, ignoring the noise, because uh, obviously this big five interception practice thing was like, it's going to create like two months of content for us. Um, trying to ignore that, keeping an open mind. I'm still I'm still bullish on him overall this year. That's not a one. That's not a one word answer. <laughs> that's all right. Curtis Patrick, what's your reaction to that? I'm, I'm, uh, Danny, that's the player or the personality here. What do you got? A uh, great fantasy commish. Oh, nice. Yeah, actually, I, I have heard that that he is a, a terrific commish. So that's a, that, that's a that's a nice one there. All right, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's go with Travis Kelsey. Steady. I like it. All right, we're gonna do three more of these. Uh, Bill Belichick. <laughs> uh, Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> Uh, Keenan Allen Ooh So this is clearly not one word But elite route runner Okay I'm buying Buying I'm buying all the Keenan Allen this year Very nice Very nice Um, This is one that I'm very interested in Jalen Waddle Um, Lukewarm Oh no 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 no! All right, <laughs> how? So let me explain that a little bit yep. because clearly I'm I'm still bullish on Tua, um, and I think that that overall I, I'm excited about what the the Dolphins' offense is going to do. Um, however, I think the reason I say that is because in in relation to the chase, like the chase tier, and then I still have Devonte Smith higher in terms of my rankings. Um, 
I'm, I guess the reason I say that is because it's maybe a little bit against consensus. I'm just not quite as like high on Waddle as these other guys in terms of fantasy, but um, I'm excited to see what he can do. But I, I think there's like holes in his profile, just the same as, as Devonte Smith, and so it's, I think it's interesting. People get so so excited about Waddle and maybe are you know fading Smith because he's skinny or whatever. So um, that's kind of where I'm coming from. But it's, I do like him. You know, I had him like in the top 15 or something in my in my draft rankings overall so it's not okay like <laughs> all right fair <laughs> enough well just going against like the consensus a little yeah well we talked at length about why we're not too concerned about the size uh in relation to smith yeah all right pickles good on uh buffalo burgers Ooh, that's a, that's an interesting one right there <laughs> that's where i went I nice all right final one and i'm now searching the reset oh dak prescott Ooh, uh, elite. All right. I like it. Thank you very much, sir. Hopefully that wasn't as stressful as it's, as it seemed. <laughs> I'm terrible at improv just so you know. So like, that's always like, it's like a trigger for me. I'm like, I can't do this. Like I just freeze in the headlights, but, um, yeah, <laughs> well, I can relate because oh, I had meant to give myself a list of what I was going to ask you. Uh, and somewhere along in the move, I completely forgot to do that. <laughs> so. <laughs> what the heck? What is happening? Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's uh, a light a lightning round word association uh segment where we don't even know the words. That's that's the <laughs> summary on that one. Oh, <laughs> Before history is written. It's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, so uh, we're going to do something a little bit fun here. But before we get to that, uh, I want to check in for some of Danny's targets. Um, we have talked about some of the guys that we like this year. Curtis is in love with Tyler Lockett, as we all know. He's mentioned him in years past, talked about him again. I've mentioned Jared Cook a ton. Mm. So, Danny, why don't you give me one or two of your top targets for this year? Okay. So, first of all, I really like the Lockett one. He's been kind of one of my go-tos this year, and it's not just because I'm an unrepentant homer, Seahawks homer. Um, I just think he's a really good value right now because people are – hyper focused on the Seahawks like second half collapse last year which was to me like just the perfect storm of crap and and everything that could have gone wrong for the Seahawks did I mean we'd never see Russell Wilson play like that and I don't think we're going to see him play like that in 2020 so or 2021 so I'm all aboard with that one I think that Lockett's going to be a good value um I'm very interested to see I can't remember off the top of my head what you guys have said about this guy lately but Jalen Hurts is a guy for me that I think is going to be oh yeah um like a big target for me and hopefully no one that I play with in leagues is listening to this. But um, I think he's the kind of guy who, you know, in the last couple of years, obviously Lamar Jackson in 2019 was like the big get in the middle or later rounds or whatever, because he took a big jump as a passer. We already knew he could run, but he took a big jump as a passer. Last year it was Josh Allen. We already knew he could run. He took an enormous jump as a passer and became one of the best passers in the NFL. Um, I think he ended up as overall QB1, depending on how, how many weeks you put it at. Um, and then this year, I think, I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is going to be the overall number one, but I do think he is the, the, 
final guy in the Konami code tier or whatever that could really come in and, um, you know, just light it up in the fantasy world. I, I don't even think he has to really light it up as a passer. He just has to be average as a passer and he still has like top five potential, um, in fantasy. And so I was just looking at his numbers last year. Obviously he didn't pass very well, like efficiency wise, so like 4.1 touchdown rate four 4.1% touchdown rate, really low, um, 77% or 77 passer rating, six touchdowns, four interceptions. But, um, you have to take it in the context of where he was playing and who he was playing with. I mean, he was playing behind a busted up offensive line on a franchise that was just in turmoil. Like the, the coaches arguing with the GM, like no one really is on the same page. Uh, the offensive lines hurt the receivers. It's like Greg Ward and Travis Fulgham running out there trying to catch passes. Um, and he's still, he still put up, he averaged in the three games he started and played the whole game. He averaged 282 passing yards and 79 rushing yards in those games um, and scored four touchdowns in through the air and four touchdowns on the ground. So, like, I don't know, man. If he can play the full season, and I assume he is because I don't think they're going to go to Joe Flacco. Um, and I think Devontae Smith, I, I'm, I'm bullish on Devontae Smith. I'm bullish on Jalen Rager having a, a better second year than we saw in year one. He, I think he's better fit for that um, number two role, really, than being like a true number one alpha type guy. I think that's who Devontae Smith is. I think Jalen Rager is a great, like, you know, over the middle guy, yak guy. Um, you know, you can hit him on deep shot when everybody's paying attention to Devontae Smith, that kind of thing. And so I think that really fits really well with what they're trying to do. I still think Goddard is really good. Um, you know, they can have, you know, Fulgham can play the number three. And he proved last year that he's like not a total fluke. So I'm really high on, on, Jalen Hurts, I think the only big question mark, well, there's there's a few question marks, but the biggest one is like what Nick Sirianni will do as a play caller. <coughs> Excuse me. And I just think if he designs an offense, and I think this would be the logical thing to do, the smart thing to do, if he designs an offense that features Jalen Hurts as a runner and as a passer and is like, this, like a smart, um, logical offense, which we can't necessarily assume, but if he does that, I think that Jalen Hurts is just going to go off. <laughs> Danny, man. Mm. Nah, I want you to fire up some Barry White or something, Dave. I mean, the applause <laughs> is great, but like, I'm ready to go in the back room with Danny. Um, J- Jalen Hurts. So you like that answer, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I did, man. Jalen Hurts is my number one owned quarterback in best ball. I've got uh, 47 teams under my belt, 47 teams, and I've got a 27% uh roster percentage on Jalen Hurts right now and and man you dropped some fire stats uh in terms of you know the on the field production and and I just want to follow up on that in weeks 14 15 16 the three games you're referencing where he started and finished you know the games 23 41 and 24 fantasy points in those games he was a fantasy QB1 in all three of those games and then if you count week 17 where he played the majority of the game he still was a QB2 that week and uh, so, you know, you get you get a QB one performance in three out of four weeks. I mean, the upside was clearly there is averaging like 29 points a game. And there's three there's three uh, start and finish. So um, really, really love that. Um, Dave, we've talked about this a couple of times, but I want to get Danny's take on it. My number one overall owned player in fantasy so far uh, in the 2021 season is Cooper Cup. Oh, I can't that's... stop drafting. I can't stop drafting Cooper Cup, man. I have so much Cooper Cup. Like it's dangerous. Like if he gets hurt, I'm probably going to cry. Like I'm going to be moving into your basement, man, because I've got 51% Cooper cup. I feel like he's mispriced by like a round and a half. 
and it's yeah. it's like danger zone level guy for me. So, is it really? Yeah. Mm. So right, I, give me give me like thirty of. seconds. I on have Cooper. I have yeah. I'll you, I'll let you finish. I've got Woods and Cup kind of as one target, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, we've got the touchdown uh, regression coming. We've got the quarterback upgrade coming. Um, we've got two deep threats added to the offense, which is just and, and Gerald Everett getting out of the way. Mm. I mean, the the middle of the field is just so open, just so open for Cooper Cup. It's nuts. He was a wide receiver four just two seasons ago. Overall, wide receiver four. Right, right. And I mean, I I, I think. I mean, I think top ten for sure Ooh, uh, is, is well within the with well within the range of outcomes for Cooper Cup. Um, the the stack that I own more of in in my drafts than than any other stack. If you're talking three three guys from a team, is that Stafford Woods Cup stack? Yeah. Anytime I get near a turn, I'm thinking I'm I'm double tapping uh, Bobby Woods <laughs> in Cooper Cup, and I'm gonna come back with Matthew Stafford later. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, g- give me give me your give me your thoughts on Cooper Cup. So yeah, you said it basically. So the thing I think is very interesting about the three of those guys, the Woods Cup and Stafford trio, is well, let me let me first frame it this way: What is the ideal thing that you're chasing in fantasy? And to me, it's high floor, high ceiling players. Right, because you're not going to miss, and if you really hit, you're going to have like league winning type guys. And I think Woods, Cup, and Stafford are all high floor, high ceiling. Because if this offense turns into the offense we saw in 2018, 2019, where McVeigh was just all of a sudden getting you know his best friends hired, the, the guy that like hangs out in his pool house hired as NFL head coaches because of what he was doing offensively. I mean, he made Goff into like a QB7, like a QB1 multiple years in a row. The upgrade from Goff to Stafford, I don't think people are realizing how big of a difference that is because he got traded in like late January or something and it like was the playoffs and everyone kind of was just paying attention to other shit. And basically, I just think this offense could just go nuclear this year. And I think obviously Woods and Cup are going to be the beneficiaries. Both of those guys are going to get peppered with targets. They're both going to have that high floor, but if they end up, you know, using both of these guys in the red zone a lot, um, you know, the cup thing is very interesting. I, I was I pulled this set the other day in 2019. He was third in the NFL in red zone fantasy points. So like the, his points that came in the red zone, he was third in the NFL in among receivers last year. He was 53rd, and I feel like that's just like such a random you know, discrepancy that you probably there's, I'm sure they didn't do that on purpose. Like, Oh, we're not actually going to have cup in the red zone this year. It was just like a randomness. And so, um, yeah, I think they're going to use him inside the uh, 20 yard line, inside the 10 yard line a lot more. He's, he's a beast. He's a good route runner. Um, I think I could see him, you know, quickly developing trust with Stafford and being like, you know, that security blanket guy. And I don't know, man, I, I just think the, the, the Rams are trying to tell us something, right? And specifically McVeigh, they, first of all, traded for Stafford, which was this huge, huge blockbuster thing. They trade away, you know, the guy that they'd just given a huge contract to like a year or two before. Um, And then they went out into the draft and drafted Tutu Atwell, Jacob Harris. Um, You know, they're they're adding speed. They add Deshaun Jackson in free agency. What does all this tell you? They want to throw the shit out of the ball. And so I don't know, man, I'm, I'm still really high on, on Cam Akers. And I think 
at his core, like McVeigh still wants to run the ball and be balanced and use play action and, and do all the misdirection and, and be able to do all that stuff. So I think Akers is going to be really strong this year. Um, but I think this passing game is really what could blow us all away. And so Cup, Cup and Woods, both to me, are like right there with each other. Um, take your pick, whatever's cheaper, or take them both. And I think just you're going to be happy with with the results because, again, high floor. And then potentially if, if this offense is what I think it could be, really high ceiling. Yeah, I've always been a huge fan <laughs> of both of those players. So I love that take. I did realize, though, that I'm going to switch what we were going to close out in here because we kind of skipped past the one key thing that I really did want to check in with you on. And I want you to talk about maybe two or three teams that you see turning things around in 2021 mm. and outplaying what 2020 might have led our listeners to expect from these teams. So who, who, who are the teams that turned things around for us in 2021? So I kind of already alluded to two of the three that I talked about. So the first one, the first off, we'll talk about the Eagles, who I think aren't going to be, and this is like, might be damning with faint praise, but they're not going to be as bad as people think. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think they're they're going to be <laughs> a NFL offense, unlike what they were at times last year. I mean, like if you look at Wentz's numbers last year, it was bad, like really, really bad. And, um, it clearly wasn't all his fault, but I think, you know, just getting a more dynamic quarterback under center, it's going to make change the way that defenses have to defend them. I think with his running ability, with Jalen Hurst's running ability, it changes the way they can run the ball. I just think they're going to be much more competent offense. They might not be great, but they're getting offensive linemen back. They're getting more weaponry in their, in their passing game. Jalen Hurts, I think, is going to be a more effective and more efficient um, quarterback, certainly than what, Jaylen, uh, than what Carson Wentz was last year because that's a super low bar. Um, and so I'd say the Eagles are maybe a team that people are sleeping on a little bit when it comes to fantasy. I mean, that might, I, that's just off the top of my head. I don't know if that's actually backed up with ADP, but that's how it feels. And then the other team that I also already hold mentioned. On, hold on, on the Eagles here. On the yeah. Eagles, before you give us another team, specifically, what's going on with the running backs there? What's going on with the running backs? Miles, Miles Sanders undervalued at the end of the third round um, or overvalued? Because he... Like properly valued really is not an option. It's not like he, <laughs> if, if he, if you know what I mean? Like yeah. if he's going to actually be the man there, he should be going, you know, 10 spots earlier. And if he's not going to be the man there, he should probably be like a seventh round pick. So I, I guess like the question is who would you take him over or after? Like, would you take him over Josh Jacobs? I think I would. Would you take him over Clyde Edwards Hilaire? I don't think I would. So no. I, I think that's kind of like for me, the delineation, would you take him over Andre Swift? It's close, but I probably would take Swift. So it's like right in that little tier. What do you think of that? The, see, I actually think DeAndre Swift's like overvalued mm. because Anthony Lynn is like the most honest offensive coach ever. Like just you can just take him literally at what he says. Like that's what he's going to do. Last year <laughs> yeah. he told us they drafted a big back named Josh Kelly and he wanted to have a big back as part of the system. And listen, Josh Kelly got his chance. Like he got lots of chances. Um, even though he was doing nothing with it. Um, and Anthony Lynn, is he's definitely going to fall in love with Jamal Williams because <laughs> he's God. basically a, a much better version of what Josh Kelly could do. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm just, I am a little worried about Swift. I actually think they're in kind of similar situations, honestly. Yeah, I think that's fair. So in my initial rankings and my own personal ones, this isn't the ringers ones, which we have up at the website because we did a composite, but I had Sanders 19th, 
Jacobs 20th, and then I had Swift, Swift 18th, Dobbin 17th, and Chris Carson 16th. I'm actually like quite a bit higher on Carson um, than I think maybe a yeah. lot of people are. So, um, but I think that tier right there, and then you put it in like Montgomery, and it's all guys that I'm just a little bit like there's 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 an argument against them certainly like being an elite running back. They're dead zoners, man. They're dead zoners. If you got to pick one, all right, and then, we'll, <laughs> and then we'll get to your other team. If you got to pick one, Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, who you taking for 2021 only? Dobbins, Dobbins, Dobbins. Okay, Dave. Um, we talked about this one, Dave. Where are you? Where are you at today? Where are you at today? I want to know. Well, so. Actually, very quickly, because I mentioned this, I think, last week, that uh, Dobbins ended up coming up much better when I did my projections than I thought. Sanders, in the projections, actually has managed to do better. Um, and I think given what Danny talked about tonight, you know, with the Eagles trending, trending forward, I am going to say that I, I like Sanders the most out of that grouping. I, I'm worried so much about... Uh, you included Swift in that grouping, didn't you, Curtis? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have so many concerns about just what that offense is going to look like in Detroit. Not that I feel great about any of these guys, but I feel the best. Although maybe you should just go with the volume that you're going to get from the Ravens. But I don't know, man. I just have so many concerns about Dobbins and what that's going to look like. <laughs> you just, so, you just this totally whole tier yourself off like your that. position in 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a tough like, tier, man. I just want to take a, a I just want to take a turn on that part of the draft grid <laughs> and just like. Move on. So I'm just, just taking CD Lamb or whatever uh, instead. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Let's let this man get to his other teams, though. Okay. So I'll try and be a little more succinct in this. I think. Well, no, you're fine. W- Curtis keeps interjecting with stuff that's off the, you know, going off of the show sheet. Listen, we've got Danny Kelly here. I'm going to ask him some freaking questions, Dave. Okay. It's going to happen. All right. Go ahead, Danny. Um. All right. So the other team, which I again I alluded to earlier, but I think the Seahawks. Um are a team that people they, again they're looking people are looking i think and, and remembering how t- terrible they played down the stretch in the second half of last season um and i don't necessarily think the Seahawks are going to be the let russ cook go scorched earth on everyone russell's throwing 400 yards a game all that stuff i'm not seeing that necessarily this season but i do think they're going to be somewhere in the middle, somewhere much closer to what we've seen from Russell Wilson in the last 10 years or whatever, where highly efficient, highly explosive. He's going to funnel the ball to um, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I think they have more weapons now, so it's going to open things up for their offense. Uh, I think D. Eskridge is going to be a nice bonus for them because um, he potentially opens up a part of the offense that they really didn't have last year or at least didn't have enough to kind of break out of the huge slump they got into in the second half of the year. And that's the reason Brian Schottenheimer got, got fired, I think, is because they just didn't have a mid-range jumper. They did not have even layups. They just they just only shot threes, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they all went cold, basically. And so, um, you know, shooting threes all the time is great when you got freaking, like, Steph Curry back there just drilling it. But, like, when he gets colder, when he gets out, um, you got to have that mid-range game. And so, sorry, that's a tortured reference, but still you get it, like, they just didn't really have, they didn't have the short game. And so, you know, getting Eskridge in there where he can run screens, he can do little slants. He's very like explosive and physical after the catch. The reason they liked him, I think a lot was, um, and people joke about this and, and make fun of it. And I get that. But like the fact he played corner, the Seahawks love that he was like tough and like, he's like a badass. He'll go play defense if they want him to like his, his coach is like, Hey, we play defense. He's like, yeah. So he's like a tough 
physical, run after the catch, highly explosive guy. He's like a four three guy, um, and he's not he's not tall, but he's also not small. He's like five nine one ninety. He's like built thick. So I don't know. I think he's he's another guy that I'm kind of just I think maybe a little bit higher or quite a bit higher on than the consensus. Even though I will say my first reaction to the pick was like that was the worst thing. Why did they pick that guy? Like he's like this 25 year old dude, you know, I was like pissed. And then, and then I kind of like took a step back and I know I'm sure like some homerism is like being applied here, but at the same time I I do get, and listening to them talk about it, I do get why they picked him and why they had him on their radar because he fills this sort of like skill set They don't have like Lockett's not that guy. Lockett is good, but Lockett's not that guy. DK Metcalf's certainly not that guy. And I don't know if you want him doing that stuff because he's just going to get hurt, right? So, um, I don't know. I kind of like the Eskridge pick. And I think uh, Gerald Everett, same vein. Like, he's a beast after the catch. Um, He's going to catch a little slant and break a tackle, and you're going to have to really tackle this team now. Last Last year, that wasn't really the case. So... Add in the the you know uh, the the new offensive coordinator, which is bringing over the Rams' offense in theory, or at least the, uh, some some version of the Rams' offense. And um, I don't know. I'm just I, I just think that they're going to be a lot better than people are sort of expecting. Or again, it's not going to be like a high high volume passing offense, but they're going to be more explosive and more uh, efficient than people I think uh, believe they will be based on the second half of last year. Like remember all the other years basically of Russell Wilson. Don't remember the last eight games of last season. All right, Curtis, I was I, I, I see now that I have impacted you to the point that you normally you would have jumped in there something that now you felt like you couldn't. So I kind of like where that's going. Um, so, Wait, Danny, Curtis, we're, we're, are you anti Seahawks or do you agree? <laughs> no, I no, I have plenty of uh, Seahawks exposure. I mean, I'm definitely going to invest in that team. Um, I would even feel fine having like naked Russ Wilson um, you know, on the idea that, you know, he throws a lot of touchdowns, mm-hmm. um, but it could be, you know, the offense could go different directions each week. Um, you know, obviously, you know, he's not, he's not on the level of the elite guys, but you know, he can still run it a little bit and he's going to give us a couple of touchdowns each year. So, uh, definitely like Russ and if the team's in a weird spot, Danny, I mean, if Carson goes down and, and Penny doesn't heal up right, they actually will be forced. I mean, they're going to be forced to go, you know, all out aerial assault. Um, they just <laughs> right. have no, nothing. I mean, I'm a huge Rashad Penny fan. I'm still drafting Rashad Penny in the years 2021. Like I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hopeless <laughs> yeah. uh, with that. Um, but you know, if I, I mean, he had the cleanup procedure, and if the knee is right, I mean, DJ Dallas was definitely like replacement level player last year. Travis Homer is not you know turning into anything. Um, it's going to be uh, like the the alpha back if Carson goes down is probably not on the roster uh unless Penny gets fully healthy so that would actually be really interesting to see what you know 600 plus passing attempt Russell Wilson would look like (laughs) Um, you know we deserve it at some point in our career uh in his career rather but um (laughs) no I I think I think you nailed it and I think you know Dwayne Eskridge is a player that could endear himself to a fan base Mm -hmm. I'm kind of doing that dirty work having the splash play every once in a while I think if the team doesn't go back to the first half of 2020, you know, usage patterns um, and like, you know, neutral script um, pass play calling, it's going to be very difficult for him to be projectable, you know, in any way. So like 
translating it to fantasy. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that offense could be on the rise, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure like Eskridge would actually make it into consideration for me in redraft. Um, Everett definitely is a sneaky uh, tight end too. Mm-hmm. Like I think of the, of the guys with tight end two ADP, you know, he may have more upside than anybody. Um, the familiarity, you know, with the new offensive coordinator is huge. Um, knowing, you know, they're going to do some things specifically for Russ, but I mean, Everett's coming over with the coach from Los Angeles and that's going to give him a leg up. Yeah. Uh, he's at least going to be in the right spot, uh, and can, yeah, he speaks the which, language, uh, which will go a long yeah. way. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, yeah, we're on the same page with the Seahawks. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. The other thing I was going to add two things. Number one, don't forget about Alex Collins, who I'm not necessarily advocating you go out and draft him, but I did see in an ESPN article today yeah, that he's getting he the was touches. like, he's getting the touches. He was exciting. So I'm just kidding, mostly, but like, um, he might be a guy that gets some gets some run to this year if, if if like you said Carson goes down and if Penny's just not healthy or whatever. Um, the other thing that I think I didn't really mention, but I think is very important is. Tyler Lockett last year tweaked his knee. I think he he suffered a um, like extended knee or I, I I don't remember exactly how they described the injury, but he tweaked his knee to the point where it was slowing him down, but he didn't miss games or he didn't miss multiple games. And but from basically week I think it was eleven on, he was more or less just a decoy. And he wasn't getting targets. He wasn't really effective. And that was another big reason I think the Seahawks offense really struggled down the stretch is they basically had DK Metcalf and nobody else. You know, they didn't have tight ends that were really difference-making guys. Uh, Lockett was hurt. Um, they didn't have, like, Freddie Swain was their three. Like, is rookie Freddie Swain, rookie six-rounder Freddie Swain going to, like, be a big impact player for you and, and help your offense, like, figure it out when DK Metcalf's getting doubled or whatever? And so... I think that was the other thing that, um, again, it's maybe not applicable in, in fantasy necessarily in redraft. You might be a waiver wire pickup if Lockett gets hurt or if DK goes down. But that's another value that Eskridge brings is like, and, and Everett, frankly, is um, a third guy that can really be utilized if either of the other two guys kind of slow up or get injured. So that's another big big reason I think they, they use that second round pick on a receiver and then went out and got Everett in free agency. Yeah, it was a knee sprain for, for Lockett. It was there you go. And then finally, I'll, I'll do this one quick because I don't feel quite as strong about this one, but I think the Giants are a team that maybe people are um, doubting a little bit. And I think I get that. Like, Daniel Jones was really bad last year. And um, remind me like how many... Two touchdown two, passes. <laughs> yeah. How many touchdowns? I think it was 12. <laughs> 11 touchdown passes. <laughs> Just like, come on. Really? Uh, so that was terrible. But... And, and obviously the uh, the Jason Garrett thing is a big concern, but I mean they've done they've they've sunk so many resources into improving this offense. Saquon Barkley is going to be back. The offensive line, in theory, will be a little bit better. Um, Daniel Jones, in theory, can make that third year jump. Kadarius Tony, in theory, could do all this stuff and and kind of take pressure off the other receivers. Obviously, Galladay on the outside is is a X ISO big go get the ball type presence that the Giants offense really hasn't had the last couple of years. I mean, you were talking about last year where like Sterling Shepard is their number one or something like that. And so, um, I don't know. I think there's, there is some potential there. If you're looking for a team that has talented skill players and has the potential to be at kind of an out of nowhere team that makes a big jump, that's the team. I think Daniel Jones obviously needs to play a lot better, but we were saying the same thing about, um, Josh Allen last year. And again, I realized that Josh Allen is the outlier, um, 
But, I mean, Daniel Jones, top 10 pick still, and he has physical talent. He just kind of has to put it all together. Listen, man, Daniel Jones as a rookie, right. uh, QB 12 and fantasy points per game across 13 starts. I mean, you can't – he was he was a big-time sleeper pick in fantasy last year. You know, maybe it's going to be a little bit of a post-type sleeper situation <laughs> there. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, what, those are my three that I thought of. Awesome. Well – that's all, you know, great stuff. We actually had talked prior about how uh, Jones and his deep ball actually might be able to work well with Galladay more than people were expecting. So I, I like those teams that you mentioned. Can't tell you how much fun it was to have somebody else come on and chop things up with us here. <laughs> For me to get to listen to somebody else than Curtis, I did not mess <laughs> up any of the drops this episode. Damn I it. can't say that my performance was flawless. Uh, but hey, Danny, why don't you let everybody know, uh, you know, like what you're going to be working on throughout the summer, where they can find you, all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. So uh, Danny B. Kelly at, on Twitter, you can find me at the ringer.com. We, I did just post a top 60 uh, dynasty rookie rankings up there, and that's free for everybody. Um, I've got we've got a NFL, sorry, a fantasy draft guide coming out. Um, in I believe mid July, so that's we're working on that right now. I did a full top 100 for the NFL draft guide with full scouting reports on all 100 players. So check check that out if you want to go look at who your team got and how I thought about them. Um, and then obviously the Ringer Fantasy Football Show that I host co-host with a couple guys. Uh, we are two a week right now, and then we're going to three a week in July. So check out all those things. Yeah, awesome. And I have to say, like, all of the stuff that you guys have, very, very visually appealing, <laughs> yeah. like, really laid out in a very cool way. So definitely go check out everything that Danny has going on. Like I said at the top of the show, you will just be listening to this one episode from us. We will be back, though, at the normally scheduled times next week. And thanks again, Danny, and thanks to everybody for listening in this week. Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at RotovizFFshow at gmail.com. Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.